Good morning, everyone. We have a lot of visitors. That's a good thing. I'm not saying that in a complaining way. I'm saying that in a good way. Um, you've probably uh, increased to 60% or so <laughs> with your numbers. So it's a lot. It's a big deal. Um, I mean, it's it's nice for the external things, like just having more people to talk to, and I don't have to always talk to Kelly. The same. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the singing and things like that, and meeting new people. But um, I think the most encouraging thing is like people who we don't see on a daily or weekly basis found us where we meet on Sunday because they wanted to worship God. Um, that that's really encouraging, and it just it's just a reminder that we have brothers and sisters out in the world, all over the place. Um, living their lives and serving God uh, in the same kind of effort that, that, that we put in. So thanks for coming and, and giving us a reminder of that. Um, so I, I think I get assigned to preach to remind everyone that the sermon is not the centerpiece of worship. Um, so this is going to be one of those sermons where it's just going to be a one-point sermon. I have, I have one, one thing I want to get to, and, and I'm going to tell you what it is right up front. Christians should be involved in justice for the weak. And that, that, that may not be like a groundbreaking thing for you, but it was for me because when I think of justice, I, I solely think of, you know, due process of law. Uh, uh, some bad person gets caught and punished. Well, that's not the job of a Christian. I mean, that's just, just not. God does that and governments do that. Christians don't do that. I'm not going to go through all the text to show that, but I think the Bible bears that out. So then what, do, what does a Christian have to do with justice then was kind of my question. Because uh, it's brought up a lot, you know, when you read especially the Old Testament, justice is brought up a lot. Like God expects it of, of his people. Um, so I, I, I kind of did this study and I came to the conclusion that it is for me. Uh, not chasing down people and punishing them and trying to exact some kind of vengeance. That's not for me. So I'm going to take you through a little bit of, uh, I guess, the path I took in, in that study to reach that conclusion in looking at justice. Um, you know, I, I think I've, I'm not the only person who thinks this way because I've heard people say, I don't want God's justice. Right? Thinking Again, thinking of justice as only punishment for doing wrong. And I, I've used the same phrase. I've said it a hundred times. And I know what I meant when I said it, which is I deserve to die for my sin and I don't want to die for my sin. That's totally fine. But to say I don't want God's justice is, I think, misusing the word justice. Um, and and, and we, we will see that, I think, when we go, when we go through this study. Um, so it seems like it's come to mean only vengeance or punishment for evil. Um, and there are scriptures that use it that way. We're going to flip to a lot of scriptures. I'll try to give you some time, but I may not give you enough time. So just be prepared. Uh, Psalm or Proverbs uh, twenty nine four is one verse in which the word justice is used exactly the way I think of it. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. Right. So there's a ruler. His job is justice in the land, and he gives stability to the land. Isaiah 40, verse 27. Um, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, and this is Jacob saying this, right? 
My way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Well, that's clearly punishment, like right, righteous punishment, correct punishment. I, I'm a bad guy, and I think, oh, God doesn't see me, right? And so the justice escapes the notice. Second Samuel 8.15, um, again, this is the ruler, uh, I guess, picture of justice. Second Samuel 8.15, so David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and righteousness for all his people. This is the way I think about it. Have always thought about justice, but it's only that narrow way. Christians don't do these things. We don't punish criminals. We don't enact laws. We don't enforce the law, right? I don't go out on the street and, and chase down people who are breaking the law and enforce them because I'm a Christian. That's not, that's not my job. So what, what, is it, what do we do? How do we participate? You know, it, it could be, okay, this was a possibility that I, it occurred to me. It could be that uh, my role in justice is simply don't pervert it. Like, God and, and, and rulers are carrying out the justice, but I do have a role, which is always tell the truth and don't hide the facts, and, and that's my role, right? That's the Christian role. And that, I mean, that's taught all over the place. Exodus 23, verse 6. Exodus 23, in the, right? So you'll find this a lot in the law. We'll look at Exodus, Deuteronomy, and again, 1 Samuel. Exodus 23, 6, You shall not pervert the justice due your needy brother in his dispute. Okay, there's my responsibility. My needy brother has a dispute and there's something going on. I could pervert justice by giving false testimony or not giving testimony pertinent to his case. Right? I see it's going one way and maybe that way is favorable for me and so I just withhold some facts. That's per perversion of justice. Okay? Well, maybe that's my responsibility. Deuteronomy 16, 19, same kind of thing. Um, the, the second giving of the law, of course. You shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial. You shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. That's Deuteronomy 16, 19. It's said in like three different ways there. Don't be partial. Don't distort justice, right? And then back in 1 Samuel 8, this is referring to Samuel's sons, okay? The, ne the negative side of this. 1 Samuel 8 uh, verse 3, his son, Samuel's sons, however, did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice, right? So they did what I'm not supposed to do. So God's people don't pervert justice, the bad people pervert justice. Maybe that's the non-government role, right, for justice. That, you know, that would be nice and tidy, kind of. God and governments do justice. I tell the truth. And I give information. And that, that would be really clean, actually. My engineering brain, like, I love that picture. <laughs> but that's not the picture I find if I keep studying it. Right? There's, there's, there's more to consider. Let's look at Genesis 18, 19. This is a really, uh, in my study and preparation for this lesson, this became a very central verse. Um, a very key verse. Genesis 18, 19 <clears throat> this is God speaking of Abraham. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. God actually tells why he picked Abraham. 
I mean, he's not saying, like, this is what about Abraham that inspired me to choose him. I chose him to do something, right? So that he may command his children to keep the way of the Lord by what, right? Keep the way of the Lord is really vague. I, I, I chose Abraham to, keep the, to teach his children to keep the way of the Lord. He could have stopped right there, but you know, he says how? By, right, doing righteousness and justice. And the reason this verse became very key is because those two words, righteousness and justice. Let's see if I can remember. Righteousness. Sedekah. <coughs> Sedekah is the, the Hebrew word. And justice here is mishpat. Sorry, I accented that wrong. Mishpat. It's on the second syllable. These two words are found together 46 times in the Old Testament. And this is the first time you see them together. 46 times. And, and the reason I found it interesting is the, the, the righteousness, the sedekah word, um, it, it means, I mean, it's sometimes translated justice. But it's the way I think of justice, right? I sit back and I watch justice happen over there and I'm like, yes, justice. Right, because it's not a it's not a, an amoral thing or, a, or or it is a a right thing happened when a wrong to to fix a wrong. It's that kind of righteousness, righteous justice. Right, mishpat is also translated justice, but it it's as it's as vanilla bland as you can get. It's like it's like it means like due process of law kind of thing. I mean, it has no morality. Well, no, there are two, out of the six definitions, there are two definitions that hint. At like, okay, this is fitting kind of thing. Not, not necessarily right and wrong, but sort of it's, it's fitting. So, you know, a little bit of morality in there, but it's, it's really more cold. Justice. There is a due process. You are interested in due process. You know, whatever that is. Well, you know, I can, I can put together a due process that's always in my favor if I want to, Right? I, I mean, I can do that. Governments do that. They can put together, I mean, that's how, you know, casinos are built. They have a very structured process for how they run their organization, and it's always in their favor. Due process, right? But when you put these two words together, there's a right thing, the tzedakah, the righteousness, married to the due process. Now it gets really interesting. And the thing about Genesis 18, 19 that makes it interesting to me is it's not applied to a ruler, a king. Now, it is applied to God in other places, but it's not applied to God here. It says, I, I, I expect this man to teach his children and his household to do this. People are supposed to do these things. Right? And uh, we'll get into the due process thing, but... I don't mean it's like we're setting up court in our house about every decision that we make or something like that, right? Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get into that just a little bit. But th- these are those two words. I want to look at some other verses that have both of those words in them. We're not going to look at 46, right? But, but I picked out some of the ones that kind of stood out to me. Psalm 106, verse 3. <clears throat> Psalm 106, 3. How blessed are those who keep justice. That's the mishpat. Right? 
You're blessed if you have some kind of due process, even if it's cold. Who practice righteousness at all times, Sedekah. You, you can't just have like some... And, and when I say due process, I mean like you have decided to take action. That's what I mean for an individual due process, right? Instead of like I'm going to sit back and I'm going I'm to see justice happen over there and I'm going to... I'm going to be really happy. I'm going to see injustice. I'm going to be like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not God, so I can't go fix that. That person has no mishpat. There's no due process in that life. <clears throat> the person with the mishpat life, with the due process inside them, says, oh, I see justice over there. Okay, that's good. I see injustice over there. I'm going to go see what I can do about it. And then the righteousness comes in where you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go see what I can do about it, but not for my gain. Not, to, not so I can find out who's the most influential of the two parties and get them on my side. I'm going to go over there because I want to bring some kind of rigidity and, and rightness to the injustice. Okay, uh, Proverbs 8.20. <clears throat> I believe this is wisdom speaking. I forgot to look up the context, but almost all of the whole chapter of Proverbs 8 is wisdom calling out. Right? Proverbs 8.20 I walk in the way of righteousness Sedekah in the midst of the paths of justice Mishpat right? so I'm walking in righteousness which are like I understand what right is but I'm willing to act on it I'm going to do something about it Mishpat right? I have a decision making process that I'm going to use uh, Proverbs 21.3. So, uh, well, I forgot to note this. Back in Psalm 106, right? It's, it's general. Blessed are those individuals. It's not up to some government or God only to do these things. Blessed is anyone who d- adopts this, right? Now, Proverbs 8 was wisdom speaking. but it's, So if you seek wisdom, then you're going to seek these things out. In Proverbs 21.3, okay, to do righteousness, Sedekah, and justice, Mishpat, is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. Who offered sacrifices? God's people offered sacrifices, individually. Now, I mean, there's the atoning sacrifice, right? But what he's saying here is, even more than you coming and offering a lamb that is commanded for you to offer because you're a sinner. Even more than that, which you better do, I'm more pleased if you live your life with righteousness and justice. Right? Righteousness telling you what's right, right? That's your standard. And Mishpat saying, I'm going to put this standard into action for somebody else. It's easy for us to seek justice for ourselves. (laughs) Even when it's not really justice. But when we're, when we're wrong, it's easy for us to seek it for ourselves. That's not at all what this is talking about. I mean, we'll, we can see other verses, Deuteronomy 24 and Deuteronomy 27, where he's, talking about, he specifically mentions justice for the orphan, the widow, and the alien. Over and over and over. You need to be concerned about those three groups, was his message. Over and over and over. Right? The weak. That's why I said up front. My conclusion at the front was that Christians are supposed to be concerned and involved in justice for the weak. 
Well, that's because God was. Now, he's concerned about just this period, right? But usually, like me, if I suffer an injustice, I mean, big deal, right? I mean, honestly, like, I, I'm going to recover. I'm, I'm, it probably didn't really actually impact my life that much. I can still eat food. I can still sleep under a roof. But then there are people who are weak who suffer injustice and can't. No, they, they can no longer eat food or sleep under a roof. Right? So it's not God is saying, oh, un- injustice is okay for everybody except for these people. No, injustice is not okay. But you don't have time to fix every injustice. You need to prioritize. Fix the injustices for the weak. Go after that. Right? Okay, Isaiah 56, verse 1. There's another one. I only have two more. I'm not going to go through all these. Isaiah 56, 1. <clears throat> Thus says the Lord, Preserve justice, Mishpat, and do righteousness, Sedekah, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. That's just a command to the whole nation of Israel. Do this. Preserve these things. Jeremiah 22.3 is the last one we'll read like this. Jeremiah 22.3. Now this is to the king. This is when Jeremiah was sent to the king to, to give him a message. This is spoken to them. Jeremiah 22.3. Thus says the Lord, Do justice, Mishpat, and righteousness, Sedekah, and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor, and do not mistreat or, or do violence to the stranger, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. Goes on to say, if you men will do these things, God will relent. So even though he's in the king's presence, and he's saying this to the king, it was the responsibility of everyone in that room who heard to do this. And by implication, the rest of Israel. If you look at Isaiah 56.1, preserve these things, right? In the nation, in your life. So I, so I talked about what those words mean. I'm just going to read a few of these, these definitions. Okay, the sedekah, primarily translated righteousness, does get translated justice, but it means righteous in government, righteousness of God, righteousness in a case. Like, I have a case, and I'm right in my case, right? Um, truthfulness, right? All of these things apply, uh, imply a standard. There's, a, there's some standard that is already in, in play, Right, um, ethic uh, being ethically right, being vindicated or justified. Right, um, the the root word I didn't I, I didn't get this in my notes, but I remember reading it. The root word to me was really fascinating. The, if you go all the way back to the very base word of this sedekah, there's a, an Arabic version of the word that means like rigid. That's applied to lances, like a, a lance, this the straight lance. Right? And you can imagine, like, if you're in war or you're in battle and you have this lance, you need this lance to be... We would, I've heard the word true, right? The lance needs to strike true, right? Well, it's, 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 it's straight and rigid, so there's, there's two things there. One is it doesn't have a curve in it, right, which is going to be useless because whatever it strikes is just going to break off the end. But also it doesn't... Even if it is straight, it doesn't bend in use, right? It's, it's rigid. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't move. That's the base word of this sedekah thing, 
Now, that doesn't mean we can pick any standard we want. God has appropriated that word to mean His standard, His rigidity, right? And it's not us being a rigid person. It's the truth to which we hold is rigid. It doesn't move. So that when we apply the mishpat, which is the act of deciding a case, right? Like I said, really cold and there's, there's really no morality there. Uh, it's, it, sometimes it's a place, a seat of judgment, uh, a litigation before a judge, a case, a sentence handed down, even execution, um, ordinances. It, so that now I've got this, I've got this sedekah, this standard from God, now I have a process for using it, mishpat, right? If you separate the two and you only do one or the other, you're, you're missing. Well, especially if you do mishpat without the standard, well, I mean, you're just going to take advantage of everyone around you because you're going to be the driving force behind that, right? So these two words are used side by side. By side. That's what I wanted to point out. We see that in five examples here. We see them applied to individuals. And in the reading we had from Ezekiel 18, you didn't notice it because Ezekiel 18 is not teaching on, you know, justice. But those two words were used at least three times, saying, if the wicked man will turn from his wicked ways and practice Mishpat and Zedekah, I will forgive him. The, the whole reason I, I, I had Ezekiel 18 read there, I, I, need, I want you to go back and look at it. If you can. In fact, I'll just point out the three verses real quick. Uh, the, the three I, I, I noted. The words are probably used more. <clears throat> verse, verse 5, if a man is righteous and practices mishpat and sedekah. Verse 19, why should the son not bear the punishment when the son is practiced mishpat and sedekah? Justice and righteousness. In verse 21, if the wicked man turns, right? The whole point of, of, of bringing up Ezekiel 18 is God is talking. The, the whole context is about individuals. And separating within families individual responsibility. Mm-hmm. To practice Sedekah and Mishpat. Righteousness and justice as an individual. So my role is not let someone else carry out justice and just be there to tell the truth. That would have been so easy. <laughs> like, I wanted to find that. My, inside me, like, that's what I wanted to find. Yeah, justice is just not part of, part of my life. Like, I can hand that off to somebody else. That's not what I found. I found exactly the opposite. Like, I need to know the standard of God well enough so that when I see injustice, not that I can go punish the evildoer, right? But that I can go provide justice to the one who was wronged. Have you ever thought about that? That there's two sides of justice? I never thought about two sides of justice until I did this study. I always only thought about, well, I guess God calls it vengeance, right? The punishment of the wrong. I just, for me, that was justice. And that was all of justice. <clears throat> but it's not. Because you don't, you don't go punish an orphan if you're doing justice to them. What do, you, what do you do for an orphan? 
you supply what has been taken from them. That's what you do. That's the only thing you can do. I mean, that's the only justice you can provide an orphan. Well, 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 what justice can you provide a widow? The only thing you can do is supply what is lacking. She's been wronged. You can't go punish the evildoer. So you supply, you fix the wrong. That's all you can do. The alien, right? It's, it's all the same thing. These are people who can't go fix the wrong themselves. <clears throat> God's people are tasked with that. Like, I mean, we talk about, like, why didn't God take us to heaven when we were baptized, right? I mean, there's got to be a reason. He's not, he's not just waiting for us to stumble and fall and fall away, right? That's not his reason. Like, okay, now go, go do my work on the earth. Show people who I am. This is one aspect of who he is. <clears throat> I think, uh, so we're, we're, we're at the end of the lesson here. Um, my, my concluding statement is this, and I might have to read it twice because it's wordy. God's people should make it their business to see that a socially weaker person is treated with due process and that the standard used in that due process is God's care for the weak. I'm not saying it's your job to make sure that the courts are fair or that someone has their day in court. When I say, remember what I said about due process, it's my due process. That I reason through what is the best thing for this, this person and what informs that reasoning is God's desire to help the weak. It's on me. It's not on anybody else. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make here. And if 30 we's go out and do that, right, then 30 injustices get fixed. Right? Okay. So I'm going to read the, I'm going to read the conclusion one more time. Oh, I hear something. Is that me? No? Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'm going to read the conclusion one more time. God's people should make it their business to see that a, and when I say socially weaker, I mean in society, right? A socially weaker person is treated with due process and that the standard used in that due process is God's care for the weak. Okay, so application, what does it look like? Turn over to James chapter 1, verse 27. <clears throat> It's a lot simpler than what I thought it would be. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Give some of you to orphans and widows in their distress. I mean, that's a good place to start. And, I, and we, hear, we hear lessons on like, okay... James is not saying that only, you know, orphans and widows. I, I, I get that, right? That's why I say socially weak. But if, if orphans and widows in distress can't get you up off the couch, there's not another group of people that are going to get you up off the couch, right? Like, who, who would you put in place of this to give you more motivation? <laughs> there, there's not, right? So I think James is using 
the most motivating case to say this class of people need you. And I think that is the New Testament vision or version or picture of the justice that God is trying to get Israel to do in the Old Testament. Give them what they need and what they don't have that you do, which is you, really. Um, the James actually shows us in chapter 2, I think, where this can go sideways. Look in James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. <clears throat> This is someone who has abandoned Mishpat and Sedekah. James 2, 15. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? There's the counterexample. That's, that's, that's the, the foil, if you want to say it. Right to what you're supposed to be doing. You've identified an injustice, someone who deserves to have clothes and food because they're breathing. Right, that's that's the standard. <laughs> it's pretty low. But you said no. I'm not going to apply the standard. Right, I'm, I'm going to ignore sedekah. And I'm not going to employ any action on my part to go fix it. There's the mishpat. I'm not going to give them any due process. I hope someone does. I'll pray for you. Right? I'm not saying prayer is bad. But if you're carrying a bag of groceries and somebody's starving and you say, I'll pray for you, well, right? That is, you're now part of the injustice problem <laughs> in that scenario. You're inflicting injustice instead of, instead of undoing it. Okay. So, James, you know, instead of calling it judgment or justice or righteousness, he calls it faith. He's like, your faith is dead. Okay. Um, so, the purpose of this lesson, what I want to do for you that it did for me is create a trigger in, in you for the word justice. When you hear the word justice, I, have to, I now think about it differently. I have to. So, you know, don't tempt to think it's something you're not involved in. Now, the world may not think about it the way you do, but at least have this trigger, right? You're not endowed with the ability or the authority to go out and punish people who are doing wrong. But you're given the responsibility to go out and fix the wrong for the people who have suffered it. So... God deems it just according to his standard when we bear these burdens of those who have been afflicted, when we ease their burden, right? He feeds the hungry. He bears burdens all the time. He clothes the naked. For him, that's just. It's not unfair. It's just. He calls that justice. Well, we need to see it the same way. Those are all my thoughts. Like I said, one-point lesson. I hope it was useful to you. Um, I always have this suspicion that when I stumble on something that surprises me that everyone else already knows it. <laughs> so you're probably all like, yeah, that was really boring. Um, but I hope, um, I hope if you already knew this about justice that you're already practicing it. And if you didn't, I hope you, you are given some opportunities to do it. Um, Blake's going to sing a song. Uh, it's, it's a closing song. You can call it a song of invitation or what have you. But the purpose of it is to, to remind you that 
Uh, we're not here just to kind of study the meanings of words and things. You need to be in a relationship with Christ or this Sedekah, Mishpat stuff isn't, it's not going to earn you righteousness. God isn't going to forgive your sins because you feed somebody who's hungry. You need to make that right with him and then go out doing his work. So um, let's stand as we